Friends, this morning's set of Scripture from the Old Testament and the New Testament come to us every three years in our Sunday lectionary. And each time these particular readings come along, I'm always overwhelmed by the power and the importance of the message that they carry to us as disciples of Jesus Christ in our struggling world. Though the readings chosen for this morning are are pretty well known, and they speak so precisely for the times in which they were first constructed and written in ancient Israel and in the times of Jesus. I really believe that they continue to speak and to guide us right here and right now if we just can find a way to open our ears and our hearts and our minds so that we can recognize what they're speaking to in all of the people around us and in ourselves. This morning's lectionary assignment is always focused on the place of one variety of people in the ancient world, the widows in the Bible. In the Old Testament this morning, we are stepping into the story of Ruth and Naomi, which was really meant to begin for us last Sunday had we not chosen to move the Feast of All Saints to that particular Sunday last weekend. Had we stuck with the other lectionary, the regular readings assigned for that Sunday, we would understand that there's a tough and hard beginning to this conclusion that we're coming to with the story of Ruth and Naomi this morning. And we'd understand how meaningful and moving it was long before we arrived at today's rather racy rated R conclusion to Ruth and Boaz in the middle of that thrashing floor. The story of Ruth begins for us in chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, when we find out that Ruth was once married to the son of Naomi, that the family had been living at that time during that marriage in the land of Moab, which is where Ruth is from, and that that family fell suddenly onto hard times when both the patriarch of the family, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, And then her sons, one of whom is the husband of Ruth, die, leaving all the women in that household completely alone. Naomi decides that because she is from Judah, that she will leave the land of Moab and return as a widow to her home country. And so when she makes that decision, she decides to release her two loving daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, to return to their own father's house in Moab and to recover from their mourning and to have the important opportunity as women of that time period to find new husbands. But even after Naomi's daughter-in-law, Orpah, kisses Naomi and departs, her other daughter-in-law, the head of the story we're reading this morning, Ruth, refuses to leave her mother-in-law. Ruth famously says to Naomi in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee from me. Couldn't help but read that from the King James version of the Bible, so beautiful and almost like hearing Shakespeare. And that's why it's so important to hear that part of that story before we arrive at the conclusion that we have on this Sunday from the book of Ruth. 
because there's an essential important connection between the entirety of the assigned story we're given in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament and the shorter but also revealing passage it's connected to today from the Gospel of Mark. That connection is that we are dealing with the hard-fought story of the widows, and widows were among the most vulnerable, endangered human beings in the time in which the Bible was written. All the way back to the Torah, in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy, we have references to the low standing and the struggle of widows and their essential need for assistance and for help for survival. To be a widow was to be a woman who had lost her breadwinner and her sole supporter. It was already hard enough at that time to be a woman in those moments when women and children were often looked at as barely more important than livestock. But to be a woman who'd lost her husband and had no one to support her or to help her or to feed her or to put clothing on her or to give her a roof to live under was practically a death sentence. And so from the very beginning, the followers of Yahweh, the God of Israel, were called upon to not overlook the needs of the most needy, of widows and orphans. Though we have to consider that that is mentioned so many times in the prophets and in the Old Testament that we can only guess that this requirement of the law was often overlooked, just as our homeless are overlooked in our communities today. So for Ruth to refuse to walk away from an older woman who had become a widow with no hope of finding a new husband was practically a suicidal decision in that time. And yet Ruth is saying to Naomi this morning, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. And it's in that moment, what makes Ruth so important is it gives us that true image of sacrificial love. And so by giving up herself for Naomi, today's conclusion reveals its deepest of meanings. For in the end of this heartbreaking story, which we would have heard last week, in today's reading, Naomi sends Ruth to Boaz. And through the guidance and direction that's given by this loving mother-in-law, Ruth finds herself in a position where she is taken as the wife of Boaz. And when they give birth to a son, a son who will become the father of Jesse, who is the father of David, whose line of kingship will lead to the coming of the Messiah, it is Naomi who becomes the baby's nurse ensuring that she have health and that she have prosperity and that she have life in this hard time as a widow. We hear this morning the ladies who gather around Naomi and sing this song, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. And so it is that incredible story that leads us into our gospel reading this morning. In the gospel of Mark, we find ourselves again hearing what has become a rather famous observation of Jesus when he and his disciples are sitting there in Jerusalem watching the people come and walk through. In the Baptist and Pentecostal Sunday schools I attended as a little boy, this was always called the story of the widow's might. Anybody remember the widow's might? 
It referenced the tiny bit of money, the two half pennies that the widow puts into the treasury in front of Jesus and the praise that she receives for doing it. As a little boy, I always thought that it was the might or the money that was the most important part of this gospel story. But as I've grown older and come to read the Bible more closely, I now realize that what's truly the most important to Jesus is not what she gives at all, but it is the widow that is giving it to God that is what Jesus wants to set forward. Certainly the disciples would have understood that as well. They would have caught on to what Jesus was saying. For Jesus had just pointed out something else walking along the streets, that being the scribes who were there in their beautiful robes and who were demanding praise and respect for their standing within that community. And surely those folks who served as scribes would have deserved that place of high standing. Perhaps they'd worked very hard for that position. But it isn't really the position that Jesus is condemning this morning. It is the scribes' actions that he's pointing out. And so that's what Jesus points to as well when he speaks about the widow. It isn't the widow's might that she gives. It is that she is choosing to give. She who has nothing, who may never have anything again, out of the joy in her heart to God, is giving from what she has, which is everything. Jesus says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Now, unlike the story we heard first of Ruth and Naomi, in the story we get in the gospel, that's where everything ends. We have no material conclusion to what happens to the widow after she gives away the widow's might, these two half pennies. The question comes up, should we assume that she's going to receive a reward for what she's given? We really don't know. And perhaps that's where the gospel wants us to be left this morning. The focus isn't ever supposed to be on the reward. It is on the giving that Jesus wants to help us to see and to understand. And it isn't about the giving of money as much as that would be a good thing for me to be pushing this morning as we move through stewardship season. It's about the giving of the whole self for the good of others and for the joy and thanksgiving of God. And really, if you go back through the Bible, you're going to find that this is the central teaching that comes up over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. Those who seek after their own needs, after wealth and success and honor and entertainment, find that their basket never has enough. They are always hungry. They are always thirsty. They are always needy. It is only those who give up themselves to God who love the Lord their God with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their mind and who love their neighbor, which is everyone they meet as themselves, who find suddenly that their basket is overflowing. Brothers and sisters, the first step to showing that love and that dedication and that discipleship requires that we ourselves find a way 
to give everything from the top in our lives over to God first. That giving is from our wealth, there's no question, because God provides all that we have, and therefore we owe to God for his thanksgiving, in his thanksgiving for what he's given. But that also has to be the giving of joy in a world that desperately needs it, the giving of a hand to help those who are in need, the giving of food, as we've tried to do this morning, not from what's left over in our pantries, but from what has been requested, what's at the top of those lists of things that are needed. And we must give our time as well. On this Sunday, when we give thanks for all of those who've been willing to give of their life for the good of our nation, we must see that our faith calls us to give of our lives for the good of everyone. All of us have that calling. And we must also give ourselves over to God in worship and in prayer and adoration. We all have certainly found ourselves in those hard places. We've all been in the place of a Naomi. We've all been in the place of a Ruth. We've all found ourselves in the footsteps of the widow. Maybe we're all there right now. Maybe we're all tired of the blackness of this world, of the hateful rhetoric, of the fear-mongering, of the pure evil of violence and hatred in our community and in this nation that so many give their time and their lives for. Maybe we find ourselves asking God to give us some relief, to give us some help, to get us out of the ditch, to give us some light at the end of the tunnel that never seems to end. Brothers and sisters, if that's where we are, then we need to open our eyes and start looking for Naomi's and for Ruth's. And we need to make sure that above everything else, above the people that we think are important, that we look above them first and foremost always to he who gives us all, he who gave his life, Jesus Christ. For if we look to Jesus, he's going to point us to that which can truly heal us. He's going to call us to give of ourselves even when we're struggling. He's going to call us to give of our time, to give of our talent, to give our Christian faith in a way that puts hands and feet on that which we believe in. And when we think those words are too hard for us to hear because of where we stand or what struggles we're with, all we have to do is look back at thousands of years of Christian faith, of the saints that have come before us, and it proves to us that it is only in giving that we can ever receive. And when we receive, it is in the great abundance that God intends for us. I leave you with the psalmist who proclaims, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wing. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Let's follow the widow, and let's find a way to give light to this world that needs it. Amen.